Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Jola Speaks. For those of us who don't know Jola Speaks, I'll do a quick recap of who we are and then we'll dive into the message um, for today. Jola Speaks is a shortish minute clip, you know, intended to equip us in our trust work with God. The current focus is on seasons and our personal processes with God, where we learn to trust Him and submit totally to His will on a daily basis. We are all on a process with God. There is no one that is an expert on this. That is why it's so important. It's so key to lean in and learn from the Holy Spirit. And also why I'm grateful that every episode you listen to of Jola Speaks is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I am just thankful to be used as a vessel to speak to us um, today. So please, um, let's learn together. And I pray that as I start this episode, the Holy Spirit continues to give me insights, wisdom, knowledge and understanding I need to deliver this episode as he has um, put it in my heart. So thank you for listening today and today I'm going to speak about guilt. I've touched this message guilt, shame or condemnation and I'm going to be focusing on Joseph's brothers particularly the experience when they met Joseph in Egypt when he was the prime minister of Egypt. So I start Genesis 42 verses 13 to 23 and also verses 31. So I read from the NLT version. Sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. And this is where Joseph had met his brothers for the first time since the incident that happened where they sold him to the Midianites. And so let's continue. We, your servants, are all brothers, son of the same man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now. And one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, as I said, you are spies. This is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your younger brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I will keep the rest of you here in prison. Then you will find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I know that you are spies. This is where Joseph is really pushing to see if they've really changed and to really see if your brothers are still the same person that you know sold him to the Midianites. Continue from verse 17. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man. If you do as I say, you will live. If you really are honest men, Choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families. But you must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth and you will not die. To this they agreed. Now verses 21 is very key. You know, and I'm wondering that why they didn't really understand why this, you know, governor of Egypt kept asking about their youngest brother. But anyway, let's continue. So verse 21 is very key. Speaking amongst themselves, they said, clearly, we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we are in trouble. In verse 22, he says, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? Reuben asked. 
or you wouldn't listen and now we have to answer for his blood. Verse 23, of course they didn't know that Joseph understood them for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. And I'll scroll down quickly to verses 31 and 32. But we said, we are honest men, not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of one father. One brother is no longer with us. And the youngest is at home with our father in the land of Canaan. So this story happened, you know, 10 to 12 years after Joseph was sold by his brothers to the Midianites. So during that time, he went to Potiphar's house and was head of the house then he got thrown into prison for a number of years and then now at this time he was already serving as the governor of egypt and so i'm going to be reading from the um notes i wrote as i was writing this message and i pray that the holy spirit just helps me and also discuss the points that you know i have on on here and so we see that even at this time 10 to 12 years after the incident even when there was nothing to really relate to that incident because Joseph was asking them a question you know where is this brother of yours he wasn't saying that you are spies he didn't mention you know them killing Joseph whatsoever but even when it was not relating to the incident not even by by a mile they were referring to something that happened 10 to 12 years ago and even saying that saying that it's because of their sin like versus he says, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? Reuben asked, but you, would, you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his own blood. And so even when nothing could have triggered them normally, they kept referring to that incident. There was nothing in this particular process that should have triggered them to remember what they did to Joseph. This is what guilt does. This is what condemnation does. Joseph's brothers were condemned. They had condemned themselves. They were feeling shame and guilt and condemnation at the same time. There are many ways to say the same thing, but yeah, they're feeling all sorts. And this is 10 to 12 years after that incident. So imagine the shame, the condemnation they had gone through for several years, several years because of what they had done to Joseph. And you see, I wrote here that this is what the devil does and this is how he operates. So he will first put those evil intentional thoughts in one's heart. So the envy and the hatred that Jesus brothers had you know, in the past that made them even want to kill him. He put that in them. Obviously, triggers a number of their insecurities. They went up and now put those thoughts into action by you know, almost killing Joseph. But then instead of doing that, they said to sell him to Midianites. After the um, devil did that, when he now sold him to the, the Midianites, immediately what happens? He now leaves them with guilt and condemnation and shame. Now, guilt is very different from conviction. And we'll explain that later. But this instance, it was definitely condemnation. This was 12 years after the incident. They were clearly living, carrying a huge burden on themselves. Like, oh my God. We have done this to our brother. We ought to be condemned. We ought to be destroyed. Different thoughts were falling in their hearts. And guess who, who was happy? The devil. Because he put them here. He went through their insecurities to get them to where he wanted them to be. When he got them there, he now turned around and started to condemn them. Now, I'm not saying here whether or not they deserve it. No. I'm saying here is that they are so condemned themselves to even death at times because... Here they were saying, oh my God, we're off to pay for 
verse 22 says but you wouldn't listen now we have to answer for his blood so each time they kept thinking what day will i be cut out what day would people know all the bad things i have done or what day when is it coming so literally constantly they are on the edge and what does that do it blurs our vision we can't see it blurs you know how we're even thinking because we're like oh my god can't even think far because we are so crippled by the condemnation by the shame by the guilt that has come upon us so these brothers went through a lot so much so much honestly and that's the devil's gimmick end of the day he wants one to be destroyed and so in the process of covering up this massive sin that they had committed they were destroying themselves on a daily basis to the point that whenever anything happens seemingly even close oh my god they have caught us i'm not saying we should be accountable for our actions you know and tomorrow i'll discuss more about the holy spirit convicting and the difference between conviction and you know condemnation but here i just want to say here that let's not let the devil destroy our lives by feeding into the condemnation there is no condemnation in christ romans 8 verses 1. i want us to constantly remember that fact when i was praying i felt so strongly that there are people that will listen to this that have been condemned for the longest of times they have been worried about one sin they've committed that has made them feel so ashamed of themselves they feel that they'll be caught any single day. They are constantly conscious with the fear. They are constantly living in fear. They are not even fulfilling purpose. They can't even think of purpose because they are so crippled by the fear of someone finding them out. They're so crippled by the fear of someone just even knowing what's happening. It's crippling them. It's destroying their lives. They are condemned. And I want to just say right now that if you are in that position, Remember that you have a merciful father. God is merciful. Condemnation is not from God. It is not from God. It is from the devil. So whatever you are feeling is not from God. And it could be many ways. It could be, oh, you feel condemned for something you may not even have done. It may just be the devil playing gimmicks on your mind. And in some cases, it may not even be your fault whatsoever but then you feel condemnation whatever it is i want you to please remember the scripture that there is no condemnation in christ it's not from god don't let let your thing that you are being accountable destroy you totally because you feel condemned don't let it cripple you don't let it stop you from fulfilling purpose yes you have sinned Yes, you have done whatever has been done, but you have a merciful father. God is merciful. When you ask him, he'll tell you exactly what to do. If you need to do something after, you know he's forgiving you. But remember, there is no condemnation. Whatever thoughts you are feeling, whatever thoughts that are coming to your mind, oh, you did this, oh, you must pay, oh, you'll be found out, oh, they're coming for you, whatever it is, it is not from God. When you are in Christ, you cannot be condemned. Is a clear scripture in the Bible. And so I'm speaking directly to whoever it is. Please stop condemning yourself. Stop with the guilt. The devil just there laughing, lounging, laughing, like, oh my god, I've gotten them. Because its purpose is to make you not fulfill your purpose. But God wants you to fulfill that purpose. 
don't be condemned. God loves you. Don't be condemned. God is merciful. Our Father is merciful, guys. It is unbelievable. He's not us, not human beings. And so, I was here. You are carrying too much weight. Drop the weight. Let it go. So I will stop here. Um, and I just want to pray for if anybody listening to me today is feeling condemned, be able to share whatever could have happened. As you feel the overwhelming love of God, especially at this time, as you watch this, you feel the overwhelming love of God that will make it clear to you that God does not condemn you. You are not condemned. You are loved. God has had mercy upon you and your family and generations and whoever has been involved. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, I'll continue with the difference between conviction and condemnation and also even what to do when this happens. Please watch tomorrow particularly if you're in this position. Thank you for listening to me today. God bless you. I love you. Bye. And God loves you too. Thank you.